observe uh, as, as one of your pastors is to see that um, God is able to use all of our gifts, not just gifts that can be um, displayed from a stage, but gifts that you'll be offering in a couple weeks as we go out and we serve this community. And uh, every one of those gifts is important. Uh, I know Impact Eaton is a, is a step for us. I, I, I know that some of you are struggling with not worshiping here that day. Here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you to, to come over to the Performing Arts Center and worship and, and spend time in worship together. And I, I just pray that you recognize that when we leave that place and we go into the community, we're still going to be worshiping. And maybe worshiping in ways that we've never worshiped before out in this community. And so um, we've got about 100 people who've signed up. Thank you. But let's get signed up today. If you don't want your t-shirt, that's fine. And I'm going to get Matt a pretty lavender one, okay? <laughs> You're not going to want to miss next week. Next week, we have four mothers at different stages of motherhood that are going to share their story, parts of their story, and how God has shown his faithfulness in the highs and lows of life and motherhood. And uh, two of those moms are grandmothers. Uh, the other two are other seasons. And uh, you are not going to want to miss our time. They'll be sharing in both services next week. So if you're going somewhere else to worship with your mom, great. Um, uh, maybe come to one and then go worship somewhere else. Or maybe your mom's not planning on worshiping. Mother's Day, bring her, okay? Let, let's celebrate that day together. Well, this month, uh, last night actually, we kicked off a month of weddings, uh, my wife and I, Susan. Um, we went to the first of three weddings over the next three weeks. Uh, last night, a former student of ours uh, was married down in Mason, and so we went and enjoyed celebrating uh, the covenant of marriage with them. Uh, next week... Um, our oldest daughter is getting married. And yes, um, I'm a mess. Uh, it's so good. And uh, we're going to be celebrating. And then the week after that, uh, we'll be another former student that I'm actually officiating the wedding. Uh, so it's a month full of weddings. And so I thought, what better thing than preach on today than divorce? Uh, <laughs> we didn't plan this this way. Uh, we planned it, uh, not knowing who all was going to get married. But I think what we're going to see today in God's Word is that, is, is that God is not just talking about divorce. He's talking about marriage and the beauty of marriage. You know, we've been over these last several months um, with Jesus in this first message of his on the hill, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's referred to. And, and Jesus has not once shied away from something that would stir the people on that hill. Those who just came and said, there's something about this man we want to learn because he has some things to say and he speaks with authority and he claims to be the son of God. And so they gathered around. And in that time, Jesus never once stepped back from hitting difficult issues. Now, some would say that would just claim Jesus as a good teacher and a good man. And would say, he's just using some techniques just to stir people up. And so he says some pretty radical things. He talks about lust. Pastor Josh preached on that a few weeks ago. He talks about making oaths and vows and being honest about that. 
In today's text, probably more so than any of the others, he gets to the heart of some real issues in the lives of these people at this time. Now, Jesus wasn't just trying to use shock and awe. I mean, we live in a culture right now, most speakers, they try to say things to create shock and get people's attention. But unfortunately, a lot of times what happens, they don't have much to follow with. Jesus did. And it's because Jesus' motive was not just to, go, to get people to say, wow. Now, Jesus' motive was to get to their hearts. Because what Jesus knew, what Jesus believed, was that he could help them understand and know and believe in God Almighty, their creator. And that would help their hearts to grow in love and compassion. And so Jesus said some difficult things. Our text today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, and it'll be on the screen, but if you want to follow along, if you have a copy of God's Word, but this is what Jesus says. Chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her a victim the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Wow. Talk about getting some attention. Very strong words about marriage, about divorce, about adultery. Divorce is a difficult subject. Matt and Josh elected for me to preach on this one this day. But there's so much truth that Jesus speaks here. Just the mention of divorce, and I would imagine there's people that aren't here today because they knew we were talking about divorce. Brings a flood of emotions, doesn't it? it? It brings reminders of some painful circumstances. Maybe for you personally, maybe for others that you know, for family members. Maybe it even stirs up guilt or regret over some past choices that you or others have made. And all of that requires that you still cope with that. You don't just get rid of that stuff. There's, there's consequences and those are challenging. And how do you live life beyond that? I first learned about divorce as a pretty young child. Both my mother and my father were both married previously. Uh, in each of those marriages, my dad was married to a woman and had a son. My, uh, my brother has passed away. He passed away about 11 years ago. My mom's first marriage... She uh, had a daughter, which would be my oldest sister. Didn't grow up with my brother. He was enough older. He wasn't in the house, but, you know, had, knew him a little bit. Didn't have a, a great relationship with him just because he was quite a bit older and just didn't know him. My sister Connie lived in the house with us until she graduated high school and then got married. And I remember at a very young age not knowing many details about both of my parents' previous marriages. But I saw, as I grew older, how their previous marriages and the divorces impacted our family. Now, I would love to say that we, we got through it, we, we did well, everything went fine, and there were no effects or impacts of those marriages ending in divorces. Because it's not true. And if my mom and dad were standing here today, they would say the same thing to you. It was painful. 
And as an adult, as I've walked with a lot of people, not only in times of divorce, but also counseled marriages that were on the brink of divorce, and now preparing to celebrate the marriage of my oldest daughter, and wanting everything but divorce as they head into marriage. I'm reminded that no matter what the circumstance, what the situation, God is a restorer. God is a redeemer. And even in my own family situation is that he has used that. Now imagine if we took a poll today, and I'm not going to, and I want to be clear about this because I created confusion. Imagine that. <laughs> Every Sunday, right? Um, I created some confusion because I made a comment in the first service and it didn't come out the way I intended. But I would imagine if we did a poll right now of all of us is that close to 100% of us would have somebody either in our immediate family or extended family that has dealt with divorce. So it's not that all of our marriages have ended in divorce, but that's somewhere along the way. Maybe you have a child or a grandchild that's divorced. Maybe you have been divorced. Maybe it is your parents, or maybe it's like my parents from previous marriages. The point is, is that divorce um, impacts a lot of people. And if you're not one of those in your immediate or even extended family, then I'm so, so thankful for you to God. Because the bottom line of any of circumstances of any divorce is there is pain. The bottom line is that each situation has a unique set of difficult, complicated, complex circumstances. And I want to be clear with you, is that the purpose of this message today is not to talk uniquely about your specific circumstance. This is not the place for that. That's where you need to call me or one of the other pastors and we'll sit down and we'll talk about your specific circumstance. Because each of those situations involve two or more unique people that God created. And there are things that I can't begin to understand in this setting. But here's what I can tell you. There is a God and Jesus Christ, his son, that understands every unique detail of every divorce that has ever happened. And every relationship that's been involved in that. And my goal today... Is to not hurt you, to not offend you, to not tick you off about something, but to speak truth into your lives. Because I absolutely believe that God can work in any circumstance represented in this room. Amen? And so if you are willing, I take this responsibility heavily. If you're willing to trust me, what I want to do is I want to open God's Word and I want to talk about God, what God's Word says about marriage divorce. And as we do that, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Maybe you've worked through divorce issues and, and you have been freed from that and you have experienced reconciliation in whatever form. Praise God. And it is His praise that we should be giving because we can't do that on our own. But I'm going to ask that if there is anything that you're holding on to, I'm going to ask that you don't lay it before me today in my words, but you lay it before Jesus Christ. And so we're going to pray for that. And I pray that your mind and heart will be open and you will hear from God today. Father, I ask that as we talk about these words of Jesus Christ is that you would speak truth into lives 
And Father, I pray that the uniqueness of every circumstance, I proclaim and know that it's not beyond your understanding. And I would ask, Lord, that you help people to see that it's not beyond your healing either. Redeem every painful situation. May we hear from you today, Jesus. In your name, amen. So Jesus starts like he's been starting in these sections. He brings up the law. He says, it has been said, verse 31, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Now, what's always important in Scripture, and we talk about this all the time, is you don't take those words and immediately plop them into our context and our culture. Because when you do that, you don't understand what, how, what, what ways these words were spoken into. It doesn't mean there's not truth for today, but you have to start with where it's at. What happened when Jesus said these words? He was referring back to what Moses had instituted with the Israelites. And Moses had instituted, and you can read about this back in Deuteronomy 24, he instituted um, a, a bit of a regulation to protect men and women, husbands and wives, and also protect marriage. Because here's what happened is that there was a time with the Israelites is that if a man got a bad meal from his wife, he could divorce her. I was telling Susan that. She's like, whew, I'm glad that's not the case because we wouldn't have been married a week. Uh, <laughs> and she knows that she was not a good cook when we first got married, but boy, is she a good cook now. But not just that. If a man, for any ridiculous reason in that period, wanted to divorce his wife, all he had to do was just say, Woman, be gone. He didn't have to sign a divorce paper. He didn't have to do anything. And what Moses says is, okay, you're kind of missing this. You're kind of taking women and sending women away as if they're property. And God has created this institution of marriage, and you're making a mockery of it. And so Moses attempted in issuing certificates of divorce to control that a bit. But isn't that such like us humans? we still find a way to get around it. And we still take our selfish ways and we get around it. Now, I want to caution this because it's really easy to step back and be self-righteous and say, well, yeah, when people do that, I just don't like that. Well, the reality is, is every single one of us have done it. It may not be with the issue of divorce, but in some way, we justify our sin, don't we? But Jesus says in this point is that he wants the scribes and the Pharisees and all of those people to understand is that a marriage is much bigger than a piece of paper. And in fact, he gets to the heart. But before he gets to the heart, he says, let's just look at this law. The whole intent of the law from the very beginning was that you would honor the one that you have committed to before God, your creator. The truth about marriage is that marriage is sacred this passage is not just about divorce. It's about marriage. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew 19, which is later on in his ministry. These verses are on the screen, starting in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You can read that in Genesis, first book of the Bible. 
Almost every marriage ceremony I've ever officiated, I talk about those words. Because they're so significant in lifting up and protecting the marriage covenant. And one of the things I want us to take from today is that no matter your marital status, no matter whether you've been a divorced or not, is that we as Christ followers are called to lift up and make honorable the institution of marriage. Scripture speaks over and over about a covenant. Malachi 2.14 speaks of the marriage covenant. Jesus affirms that right here. It's a relationship, a covenant relationship. We talk about it with membership. It's a mutual agreement to be together. It's a mutual agreement to commit to the truth of God. It's a mutual submission where we sometimes have to make sacrifices, if not most of the time, for one another, for the good of what God has established and created. If you look at Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, and you can just write that down and look at it later, but that, that description of, to Christian households, description of marriage as mutual submission and a reflection of the love and the self-sacrifice for one another, like the church in Jesus Christ. You see, God didn't, didn't just say, hey, if you find somebody you kind of like and you want to, you know, just have kids with and start a family, then hey, just pick them and go. No. He says, you have found someone and, and despite your differences or your similarities, I am going to take the two of you and your commitment to me and I'm going to take the two of you, two fallen sinful beings, and I'm going to bring you together and I'm going to use the crucible of marriage to shape you into everything God I have created you to be. And so you know who's the most instrumental in a marriage of you becoming more like Christ in terms of how God is going to use them? Your spouse. Now that's not very fun, right? Because our spouse know all the weaknesses in us. We know our spouses too. Now, it is the work of God. It's not our work. But God uses our spouse. But in the, in the process, there is this triangle that I share with couples. Whereas you focus on Christ in your marriage, you draw closer together and you honor God. There's no greater human relationship where you have the potential as a married couple to honor God than in your marriage. Amen? It's a witness. Some of you, you're screaming for witness opportunities. Love your wife. Love your husband. Use that marriage as an opportunity not to play a perfect role, but to allow people to see the grace of God. My marriage is a testimony to that because I tell you, there are a lot of days I'm not very submissive to my wife. There are a lot of days I'm not loving her the way God's called me and Jesus has called me to love her. And people say, Dan, how we're celebrating 25 years this month. It blows my mind. People say, how do you do it? There is one answer to that. And it does involve Dan or Susan. It involves Jesus Christ. And Jesus wasn't in my heart when I married her. And somehow, by the grace of God, he chose to get a hold of my heart and shake me enough to where I finally woke up and submitted to him. He wanted it all along. But I wasn't very willing. But I tell you, in this culture, I get furious. I'll just tell you, I get furious about the way marriage is treated in this culture. And you all know it. I don't have to tell you. But it's been hijacked. It's been hijacked. 
The covenant of marriage has been lowered to such a measly, happily ever after, feel-good fairy tale where all of your dreams come true. No, it's hard. There are days you don't want to do it. But that's not the point. The point is, is that God says, I can work through all of that. And let me tell you, I'm going to blow your dreams up. I'm going to take your fairy tale. And because we live in a fallen world, there's not many fairy tales. But is that really what we want? I hope not. Now, I know there are cutesy sayings, and I know that's all fun and everything. But what's here? You know, Samantha and Jared are getting married next weekend, and if you haven't heard, uh, we decided to have another wedding this year. So Victoria and Wesley are getting married in November. Daddy's trying. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm so excited. I love these two young men, and I love that they love the Lord. And I love because both of them, when they came to me and said, I'd like your daughter's hand in marriage, I said, absolutely. But there's a few things I will not compromise on if you want my daughter's hand. And one of those is that you will go, go into premarriage counseling. Because I want you to know ahead of time that the one you're marrying is not perfect. And you're not either. <laughs> and your father-in-law-to-be will absolutely not be. Has never been. But, but culture has hijacked it. And, and marriage is so talked down upon. I mean, talk to most celebrities, and it's made to be this flippant thing, whatever it feels good. Church, we've got to rise up and hold and the honorable covenant of marriage between one man and one woman and not be ashamed of that. Because it is God's word right here through Jesus Christ that says, don't you belittle what I've created. It is so good. Now, let me just say as a side, for those of you that have lived a life of singleness, praise God, you are not less of any human being because you are not in marriage. And I want to affirm that in you today because I know, not personally, but how difficult that is. But you are living out, as Paul said, in a beautiful way what it means to live for Christ. So I want to affirm you in that today. But you still have a role in lifting up marriages too. One of the things I've started to do with marriage uh, ceremonies, weddings, is I challenge those who are in the congregation. Because it's fun, it's a lot of celebration, it's good. But the reason that we should be at every wedding ceremony is to commit to God and to that person on that platform that we are going to support their marriage. That we are going to pray for them. That we're going to celebrate on that day, but the hard work begins the day after. And we're going to pray. And if they call you at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're going to pick up the phone and say, how can I help? Not because your marriage is perfect. Not because maybe you're married at all. But they need a listening ear. Don't ever enter a wedding ceremony and just be there for that day. That is a mockery of what God has created in marriage. You see, we're taught that marriage is, is not any fun and that marriage is a bore and marriage is, is bondage and all of these things. There's been some stats that I've looked at and Ed Stetzer, who's a famous uh, teacher and pastor, he says 53%, this is on the screen, of very happy couples, and again, happy, I know a little relative, but agree with the statement, God is at the center of our marriage compared to 7% are struggling. 
Now, let me tell you, it doesn't mean God's going to fix everything just like that. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be painful at times. But what it means is that we have the hope in Jesus Christ and God the Father to walk through a marriage when it's tough and survive because God is in it. We don't have to believe the lies. In fact, 72% of those who've ever been married are still married to their first spouse. Never heard that statistic before. Marriage should be held high. Honor marriage by fighting for your marriage, doing the hard work. So Jesus in this statement isn't just talking divorce. He says, I want you to honor the covenant of marriage. But then he goes to the heart. Verse 32, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, I I know that probably some of you are super eager to hear, so what's exactly that mean? This, that, and whatever. Scripture gives three reasons for the breaking of the bond of marriage. And those three reasons are this. The first is death. Makes sense. A spouse dies, you are released from that commitment that you've made because of one's death. You can find that in Romans 7. The second, which we read about here in Matthew 5, but also in in Matthew 19, is adultery. The third one, Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians. And it's speaking about being married to a non-believer. Someone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ and has not claimed them as their Lord and Savior. And Paul says in that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, that if an unbeliever chooses to leave a a spouse who is a believer, then you are to let them go. Now, what Jesus, or what Paul does not say, and God doesn't say in his word, is that you initiate as a believer. You are to commit and stay to that vow. But if that person, as an unbeliever, decides to leave, you are free from that commitment. Those are the only three places in Scripture where it says that the breaking of the bond of marriage is allowable. But we have to understand, church, that it doesn't mean that's what God wants. And again, I don't want to pretend to understand all unique circumstances, but what I do want you to understand is that God in His compassion and His love in those cases has released you, released you from your commitment to Him and to that spouse in those cases. But God just wanted us to not learn about marriage. He wanted us to understand the truth about divorce. Hear me clearly here, okay? Divorce is not God's design. I don't say that to hurt or offend anybody of you. Because what I'm not saying is that divorce is always wrong. Sometimes there is no avoidable way of divorce. And Jesus talks about it right here, right? So if if you have someone who says to you, divorce is always wrong. That's not what scripture says. That doesn't mean Jesus says run into divorce. But what it affirms is that divorce has never been God's design. But like any other human nature thing, we are fallen creatures. And somewhere in divorce along the way, there is sin involved. It may not be your sin. But somewhere along the way, divorce is not God's design because somewhere in that relationship, sin has occurred. I know that's hard to hear, and that doesn't mean that you are the one guilty of that. But I tell you, I talked to a guy after first service, and he, he has been uh, divorced for a lot of years, remarried, 
has a, a wonderful marriage. And he said, Dan, when I got divorced, I thought it was all the other person's fault. Now, he was speaking uniquely of his circumstance. He said, I finally realized that I had a responsibility. Now, again, his situation may not be yours. The point is, is that we can never accept divorce as okay in terms of it's part of God's design. No marriage is a part of God's design when we choose that. But divorce involves a rootedness of sin somewhere by somebody. I have never talked to a divorced person who has not admitted how painful, how excruciatingly devastating divorce is. But again, I'll say to you, and I'll talk about it in a moment, is that God is a redeemer. He is a restorer. Remember the two issues that bookend this? Lust and lies. Listen to this from N.T. Wright. He says, Divorce normally happens when lust and lies have been allowed to grow up like weeds and choke the fragile and beautiful plant of marriage. Divorce is painful. Divorce involves grief and loss, full of brokenness. There's a man I know, he's 82 years old. He does not attend this church. And I can tell you that at 82 years old, having been remarried and re, uh, in this marriage for about 45 years, is that I still see the pain and brokenness in his heart. What breaks my heart is that he hasn't healed I see it in his other relationships, and I see the bitterness. What I hope and pray for this man before he dies is that he understands that God wants to reconcile. I don't know all the details of his divorce that happened many years ago, but what I know is that he is a hurt and broken man. But I want to tell you that despite what we understand about divorce, we should never be enticed or indifferent to it. I think most of you, if we brought you up here today and you would testify about a divorce in your life, you would agree to that. But I also recognize that sometimes it's unavoidable. But this is where we can celebrate the God who restores you know, we're believed to think that divorce is such a normal, acceptable thing. And I read uh, one thing by Ed Stetzer, and he said there is, most of you have probably heard the 50% stat, 50% of people divorced and the church is not much different. He, he went on this huge, a couple years back, he went on this huge research and involved Barna and all these study groups and said, I want you to find out the real truth here. There is no reputable study that says the divorce rate is 50%. None. He says what happens is that the projections are that. But interestingly enough, in the last four years, divorce from 12 to 16, divorce has declined. Marriage rates have also increased. Now, there's a lot of details around that. But aren't we made to believe that, ah, if you want to get divorced, get divorced. I know none of you that have been divorced took it flippantly. And as a Christ follower, we are called to continue to remind that God is a God of restoration, be reminded of, and that divorce is not God's design. But the culture has accepted it, hadn't it? Church can't believe that. But God wants to bring restoration. I want to share a passage of Scripture as we close. And this is a passage of Scripture that many of you have heard and know. 
But it's such a key passage of Scripture. But it's so basic. Every divorce is a death. Every divorce is a death of some sort. And what I hear, and I was just looking at some stuff yesterday as I was finishing up the sermon, and all of these goofy quotes on, well, I'm divorced, but now I've reinvented myself, and I've rediscovered myself, and I'm going to create a new life, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know what? There is only one who can take death and make life out of it, and it's not any of us. It is Jesus Christ. And if we think that in divorce, whether it's us or someone else, that we can somehow create, reinvent, redesign, and come out a new me and forget about the past, we have forgotten that there is only one who brings life, and that's Jesus Christ. And what he's going to do is exactly what Jesus did on this hill. He is going to go to the center of your hurt, the center of your pain, and he's going to say, let me heal you. That's what he's going to do. But the culture says, just forget about it. It's in your past. You made some really bad decisions. And just move on. You can't. And we have a culture that is screaming for help and hope. Church, we've got it. And we've got to share it. And we share it with a basic verse. John 14, 6. It is a declaration of who Jesus Christ is. The one who rose from the dead. The one who brings life out of death. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why is Jesus the way when it comes to divorce? Is because in the darkness and flood of overwhelming grief in a divorce is that Jesus says, I can provide a way through it. Jesus is the one when we are so overwhelmed and we don't know which way to turn, whether it's our parents who have been divorced and we're just absolutely consumed. Jesus is the one that says, let me, let me give you truth. It's not the latest self-help book. It's not finding it somewhere within. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who will make your life anew. He's done that to every one of us who have accepted him. No matter how broken you were, when you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, he made you new. He created life out of death that was bound by sin. And so church, as we move forward, I want us to not be ashamed because what I love about this church, this church has never been ashamed to proclaim God's covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And we have never been ashamed to say that, you know what, divorce is not God's design. But when that happens, we have never been ashamed and will not be ashamed to say, God can restore. And so let's carry that message, okay? Let's get to the heart of it. Let me lastly say, if you're here today and you're still working through all that stuff, I invite you. Maybe it's here as we close in worship. Maybe you want to contact one of us pastors or one of the elders and just talk maybe about some unresolved stuff. Because the longer you hold on to it, and again, I don't want to pretend I know all the, the uniquenesses of it, but the longer you hold on to it, the more barriers you're put up to truly following Jesus Christ. Believe that he can heal you. Believe it. Because he can Father, as we come before you and close out in worship, 
God, what a joyful day we've had in worship. Thank you for Gail's life. Thank you for Aaron and Jacob's life. And thank you for the profession that they've made today publicly in front of their church family. God, may we go out into the places, the neighborhoods, the marketplaces, and everywhere this week and proclaim that you, Jesus, are the way and the truth and the life. And no matter how much hurt, how much pain, God, you can redeem. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we said, amen.